You're listening to A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. Visit our website and learn more about Harvest Partners at harvest.org. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And isn't it a great thing to be hungry to worship God? When you're hungry for God, the only thing that will satisfy you is God. Coming up today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps hungry believers find what they're starving for. It's time to feed our souls. Do you starve for a holy life? Do you hunger for God's best for you? If so, you can take practical steps to get it. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. It seems holiness and happiness are now considered opposites. When someone is reverent or pious or devoted, most don't expect to see a smile on their face. They expect a serious, somber look of concern and stillness. But Christians should be the happiest people on the planet. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us see the biblical basis for happiness. It revolves around the word blessed, a term we see repeatedly in the Sermon on the Mount. God wants you to be happy because He tells us that in Scripture. He tells us over and over again that this happiness is something that He wants us to experience in a relationship with us. Why? Because the word blessed is another word for happy. They're interchangeable words. So when we use the word blessed, as we will use in a moment in the Beatitudes, you can just take that word out and put in the word happy. So really the theme of the Beatitudes, which is the point of entry into the Sermon on the Mount, is happiness. How you can be happy if you will do these things. Let's read Matthew 5, starting in verse 2. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets that were before you. So blessed are these people. Now how different the Beatitudes are from modern culture. If the Beatitudes are rewritten for culture today, they would go along these lines. Blessed are the beautiful, for they shall be admired. Blessed are the wealthy, for they will have it all. Blessed are the popular, for they will be loved. Blessed are the famous, for they shall be followed. But that's not what Jesus says. He starts with a bombshell. Blessed are the poor in spirit, 
for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Let me say it another way. Happy are the poor in spirit. Now what does that mean? There's a lot of misunderstanding about this. To be poor in spirit is to recognize one's spiritual poverty apart from God. It's to see your spiritual poverty. To recognize the simple fact that apart from the Lord you're lost, you're helpless, and you're hopeless. Apart from Christ, everyone is spiritually destitute. You want to be happy, admit your true spiritual state. Blessed is the person that sees himself as they really are, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's beatitude number one. Beatitude number two, verse four. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So point number two, happy people are unhappy people. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Happy people are unhappy people. Or another way to put it, happy are the unhappy. You say, well that makes no sense at all. I mean either you're happy or you're unhappy. No, before you can truly be happy, you have to first be unhappy. You have to see a real state before God, sinful. You have to mourn over that state. And by the way, the word that is used here for mourn, blessed are they that mourn, is the most severe of nine Greek words that are used for grief in Scripture. And it's reserved for mourning the dead. And this verse applies in principle to all who mourn. So I've seen myself as I really am. It's not the greatest discovery. It's a little scary to see what a sinner I really am. So I'm sorry for that. I cry out to God. I mourn over my condition and now I'm going to find comfort. Warren Wiersbe, one of my favorite commentators, said this and I quote, it is as wrong to mourn when God has forgiven us as it is wrong to rejoice when sin has conquered us. End quote. So it's one thing to recognize I'm spiritually bankrupt. I'm poor in spirit. It's another to grieve and mourn over it. And that's the last thing some people want to do. Listen, better to mourn now and laugh later than to laugh now and mourn later. Let me say that again. Better to mourn now and laugh later than to laugh now and mourn later. Some people are laughing it up. And they shouldn't be because they're living in sin. They'll say, let's go out and have a few drinks and have a few laughs. And you know, if you ever watch people who start drinking, they start laughing about nothing. They just have a drink, another drink, third drink, and pretty soon they're there laughing at everything, just laughing and laughing, really not even knowing what they're laughing about. In fact, Ecclesiastes, that was written by Solomon, he went on a sin binge, trying everything that this world has to offer. And he wrote in Ecclesiastes Two, one. I said, let's give pleasure a try. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that was meaningless. And then he says, it's silly to be laughing all the time. What good is it to seek only pleasure? That's some people, they're just laughing and laughing and laughing and they should be mourning and mourning over their condition. But when you really mourn for your condition and repent of it, now you can experience the true happiness that God wants you to experience. Let me ask you this. Have you ever shed a tear over a sin in your own life? Have you ever done something you were ashamed of and wept over it? Said, just God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I did that thing. I'm ashamed I did that thing. That can be a good thing. 
Because that mourning will produce tangible results because 2 Corinthians 7 says godly sorrow will produce repentance. So blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted or as I said blessed are the unhappy for they shall become happy because they've admitted their sin and now they're turning from their sin and they're calling out to God. Step number three, beatitude number three. So blessed, happy are the poor in spirit, the person who sees themselves as they are. Blessed, happy is the person who's mourned over their spiritual condition. Now number three, a happy person will be a meek person. A happy person will be a meek person. Look at verse five. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Seeing myself as I am produces a vital spiritual quality, meekness. We don't hear a lot about meekness today. It's not celebrated, but it's really important. And God says you can be blessed if you're a meek person. What does it mean I'm no longer inflated with pride? I've seen my real condition, so I'm meek. By the way, it's not the same to be weak and meek. Let's say you're a professional boxer and you could punch out anyone. You could hit them and they wouldn't get up again. And, and let's say someone is harassing you and you don't hit them back, though you could hit them back. And if you did hit them back, they may not get up from it. And you choose to not strike back even though they're mistreating you. That's not weakness, that's meekness. Now let's say you're a skinny little dude and you have no fighting skills at all and someone's harassing you and you don't hit back. That's just because you're a weak wimp. That's why. So <laughs> you don't really have a lot of options. But the person who knows how to fight, they have an option. So they choose not to exercise that option. That's meekness. It means power under constraint. In fact, the word that is used here for meekness is a word that describes the breaking of a powerful stallion. Have you ever been on a horse that didn't want to do what you wanted it to do? How many of you ride horses? Yeah. I like horse power. I like, I like to pull that throttle. And I like when I hit that brake, that thing stops, okay? That's called a motorcycle. But uh, if you're on a horse, hey, you can use all your commands, but they may not listen. I've told you the story before. The preacher and his horse. How many of you have heard this? The preacher and his horse. Most of you haven't heard it. Okay, there's a preacher. And he had a horse. And he knew that, you know, to make the horse go, you say giddy up, and to stop you say whoa. And he thought, well, that's not spiritual. I'm gonna say instead of giddy up, I'm gonna say praise the Lord. So when I say praise the Lord, the horse goes. And then when I want him to stop, instead of saying whoa, I'll say hallelujah. So he's out riding along and the horse got spooked and he's running at full gallop now toward the edge of a cliff. The preacher's like, oh, wait, wait, wait. What's the word for woe? Well, uh, glory to God, horse is still running. Uh, thank you, Jesus, horse is still running. What's the word for stop for woe? What a, hallelujah, the horse stops right at the edge, right at the edge. Pebbles going over the side. Preacher wipes his brow and says, praise the Lord. So, yeah. How many of you heard that for the first time? Oh, you see, it's... Sometimes it's a good thing to pull out the old jokes, right? <laughs> so that horse, if he submits to you, if the horse submits to the will of the rider, that's called meekness. So what this means is I'm surrendering myself to the will of God. That's meekness. Blessed, happy are 
the meek. How different this is than culture. In the Bible, the last is first. Giving is receiving. Dying is living. Losing is finding. Least is greatest. Weakness is strength. Let me say that again. In the Bible, everything's sort of the opposite. Last is first. Giving is receiving. Dying is living. Losing is finding. Least is greatest. Weakness is strength. It's meekness. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. You know, there's nothing like hearing the Word of God and worshiping the Lord together. I want to encourage you to join us for something we call Harvest at Home. It happens every Saturday and Sunday at harvest.org. You can join Christians literally from around the world as we worship and we study the Word of God together. So join us for Harvest at Home at harvest.org. Well, today we're studying the Sermon on the Mount, and Pastor Greg is pointing out how meekness is one of the keys to living a happy life. Let's continue. Joseph is a classic example of meekness. I remember he was betrayed by his brothers, sold as a slave, and through God's providence, he was elevated to become the second most powerful man in all of Egypt in charge of the food supply. His brothers thought he was dead, One day a famine came in the land and the brothers went to Egypt, they're Jews, to get some food. And there is Joseph looking at them. They didn't recognize him anymore because he didn't look like a Hebrew with long hair and a beard. He probably had a shaved head, the eyeliner. He walked like an Egyptian, whatever, you know. But they didn't recognize him and certainly they didn't think he was even living. And as he looked at his brothers, he could have given one command with a snap of his finger and they would have all been put to death. But instead, he forgave them. That was meekness, power under constraint. And the meekest man that ever walked the face of the earth was Jesus Christ himself. He was the meekest of all. But now let me also ask this. Who was the strongest man that ever walked the face of the earth? Jesus Christ. No one was stronger This is the creator in human form. He could have spoken his enemies out of existence. You think he had to submit himself to Pontius Pilate? Pilate, the powerful Roman governor who could sentence him to death. Jesus could have said, you know, you're getting on my nerves. You're dead. Bye. They've been over with. Could have walked out of there. What a joke. One occasion they tried to throw him off of a cliff. Remember that story? And Jesus walked right through the middle of me. He's like, yeah, I'm not gonna go off a cliff today. I'm gonna go right through here. You're gonna get out of my way. But he controlled that power and submitted and laid himself down and gave up his rights, not his divinity, but he laid his rights aside. He suffered for us and died on the cross. And Jesus said of himself in Matthew 11:29, I am meek and lowly in heart. Now we come to beatitude number four. A happy person passionately desires a righteous life. Let me say that again. A happy person desperately desires, passionately desires a righteous life. Verse six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. When you're emptied of sin, you're hungry for God. I don't know about you, but I'm not a good hungry person. 
I get irritable. I get headaches. The first thing I think of in the morning when I wake up, you think prayer? No, food. I want food. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I need food. My wife will go through, you know, the half the day. I think I forgot to eat lunch. I'm like, that's not even humanly possible. How do you forget to eat lunch? I'm counting down the minutes till lunch. Like, I'm serious. At 9.30 I'm thinking, how long to lunch? Oh, I have to wait an hour and a half. I eat around 11, by the way. Yeah, I, I just have to hold out till 11, you know. And I'm hungry. My stomach is growling. So when you're hungry for God, the only thing that will satisfy you is God. And isn't it a great thing to be hungry for the Word of God? To be hungry to worship God? To be hungry to be with the people of God? And when you say, well, I, I don't know, I don't really feel like I need to read the Bible that much and I don't really desire to be in church that much. Well, I'm sorry for you because you're missing out because blessed are happy are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. The psalmist was hungering and thirsting for righteousness when he said in Psalm 42.1, is the deer thirst for the water brook, so thirst my soul for you, O oh God, my soul thirsts for the living God. Listen to this. When the prodigal son was hungry, he went to feed upon husks. But when he was starving, he turned to his father. Do you starve for a holy life? Do you hunger for God's best for you? If so, you can take practical steps to get it. So let's put it all together and conclude. Number one, you must be poor in spirit. See yourself as you really are. Recognize that this world system, this culture will not satisfy you. The answer is not within. <laughs> the problem is within. We're sinners in need of a savior. Number two, I must mourn for my sin. Be sorry for what I've done. Be sorry that I broke the commandments of God be sorry enough to stop and turn to Jesus Christ. Number three, as I believe, I'll have a change in attitude. Instead of arrogance, there'll be a new humility that comes from seeing things as they are. And I'm changed. And then fourthly and lastly, I'll have a new hunger and thirst for that which will satisfy me, a hunger for God. You know, my wife likes Indian food. How many of you like Indian food? Yeah, quite a few of you. I, I don't really like Indian food. I'm sorry. I, I mean, it's okay. I mean, I like a lot of foods. But I just, I don't know. I just don't know what to order. I'm confused. Uh, and, and so she'll order all these things because she, you know, she was raised a part of her childhood. She lived in Malaysia. She would eat all these exotic Asian foods and Indian food and all, all. And I just, you know, I grew up here in California. ate hamburgers, french fries, and the malt. That was it, you know. <laughs> And TV dinners. How many of you remember TV dinners? By the way, I, you know, I, my childhood goes back to the 50s. I remember TV dinners from the 50s. You don't even want to think about that. That was, I don't even know if you could call that food. And it wasn't much better in the 60s. But, um, you know, so I'll go into an Indian restaurant with her every now and then and I'll just start, okay, I'll have some rice and some bread and can I get the chicken, you know? And she's ordering all these other things, tikka, this, that, waka. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. All I know is afterwards I'm still hungry. And I want something to fill my stomach, right? Sorry to use Indian food as this analogy. 
because it is really good food for some. Um, <laughs> but we can chase after all these things the world says will satisfy you. And we can learn this the hard way or the easier way. And let me appeal for a moment to someone who's young. You know, you say, oh, what do these people know? They don't know anything. Yeah, we know a few things because we've lived life. And don't find this out the hard way. Don't waste years of your life. You can miss a lot of misery and you don't have to waste years of your life. I know people who've wasted decades of their life figuring this out the hard way. People in their 50s who say, oh, I guess it is Jesus Christ. Yeah, too bad you wasted most of your life. But thank God he'll still forgive you. But oh, it's so much better to discover this when you're young. I figured it out at the ripe old age of 17. And I got on a course that I've been on to this present day and I've never regretted being on that course to follow Christ, not once. You chase after all these other things that won't satisfy you, but Christ will. He's the bread of life that will satisfy your spiritual hunger. He is the living water that will satisfy your spiritual thirst. So I'm going to close by asking this. Are you a happy person? If you want to be a happy person, here's what the Bible says. Happy is the man or the woman whose sin is forgiven. When your sin is forgiven, you'll be happy. Sin is the big wall that keeps you separated from God. And there's nothing you can do to break that wall down. You try to be a good person. You try to do good works. You try to even be religious or spiritual. And none of it changes that wall that's before you. But the good news is Jesus, the meekest man who ever lived, died on the cross in your place. And that wall can be broken down now through Christ and you can have a relationship with God and find that fulfillment that's eluded you throughout all of your life, that happiness you've always wanted, can be yours. And what you need to do is admit to God you're a sinner. Like old Naaman, you gotta peel off the armor. And you have to just say, Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. I know it's wrong. I, I turn from that sin. And put your faith in Jesus. And if you do that, he will forgive you and give you a second chance in life. If you're 17 or 70, doesn't matter. He'll change you, but you must reach out to him. We're gonna close in prayer and I'm gonna extend an invitation to any of you that have joined us who may not have this relationship with God we've been talking about. The Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from your sin. Saved from hell. Saved from a future judgment. Saved from yourself. Saved and safe. Let's all pray. Father, thank you for your word to us. I pray for any here, any listening, wherever they may be. If they don't know you, Lord, help this to be the moment where they would reach out to you and receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie, with an important prayer about coming to the Lord to find forgiveness of sins. And if you'd like to do that, Pastor Greg will help you in just a moment before today's edition of A New Beginning concludes. 
Well, Pastor Greg, there's a brand new movie coming out that we're really excited about. Hmm. It's called Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. That's right. In fact, you've called it an evangelistic documentary. Yes. Why did you choose Johnny Cash as the subject for this film? That's a great question. So bottom line, I love to see thousands of people come to Christ at Harvest Crusades and people coming to the Lord, listening to our radio broadcast. But I also like to focus on how Jesus works in the lives of individuals. You know, some people are changed in a moment. Others have a lifelong struggle, but the Lord is with them every step of the way. And Johnny Cash, he's one of those people. The Lord was faithful to him. The Lord loved him. And Johnny loved the Lord, but Johnny did struggle throughout his life. That's why it's a redemption story. So, The title of this film we want people to go see is Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, because it shows how patient God is, how loving God is, and how God wants to reach people no matter where they are in life. So I'm asking the listeners to help me tell this story, and I'm asking them to support this film. Yeah, absolutely. Be praying about who you can bring with you to see Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. It's a strong presentation of the gospel, and we're making tickets available to those who partner with us in our efforts toward teaching believers and reaching unbelievers. Thank you for your generous donation. It's a Fathom event, and it's coming up soon. You'll find the dates at harvest.org. And tickets are limited, so go online today to harvest.org. Or call us anytime around the clock 24-7 at 1-800-821-3300. That's 1-800-821-3300. Well, Pastor Greg, a few moments ago, you spoke of how someone can accept God's offer of eternal life. Yeah. Could you help the person who wants to do that very thing right now? Yes, I'd be delighted to. Listen, as you've listened to this program today, maybe something's been happening inside of your heart where you're sensing, I need to do this personally, but... How do I do it? And what do I do? Let me help you. It's very simple. In fact, it's so simple, you may be shocked. God, this relationship with him is just a prayer away. The Bible says, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. So I'd like to lead you in a prayer where you do just that. You call on the name of the Lord. This can be the moment where you change your eternal address, literally from hell to heaven. Just pray these words, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I know that you're the Savior who died on the cross for me and rose again from the dead. Jesus, I choose to follow you from this moment forward. In your name I pray. Amen. I know. It's such a simple, short prayer. But you just called on the name of the Lord. And you know what? He heard that prayer. And if you meant that prayer in your heart, he answered that prayer. Now let me help you to get started on the right foot in your new life in Jesus Christ. The greatest adventure awaits you, the life of walking with God. I want to send you what we call a New Believer's Growth Path that includes the New Believer's Bible and a whole lot more. And let me be the first to say to you, congratulations. And welcome to the family of God. Yeah, and to get that free New Believers Growth Pack, just ask for it if you prayed along with Pastor Greg to receive Christ. We'll be glad to send one your way. Call us at 1-800-821-3300. We're here to take your call around the clock. 
That's 1-800-821-3300. Or write us at A New Beginning, Box 4000, Riverside, California, 92514. Or go online to harvest.org and click No God. Well, next time, more insight on happiness and where it's found as Pastor Greg continues his series from the Sermon on the Mount called Salt and Light. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. A New Beginning is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners, helping people everywhere know God. If this show has impacted your life, share your story, leave a review on your favorite podcast app, and help others find hope.